Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a fantasy and user experience podcast. Each episode, your podcast hosts, Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield, will examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live action games, mobile games, and video games. You can find every episode, including this one, on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com. Yeah, so one of the things that I really don't understand, and I've met a couple people in my life, and you're the third one, actually, um, is uh, LARPing. (laughs) And so let me give you a little bit of my perspective on this as far as I know it. Like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or any other role-playing game, there's kind of a game that I came in contact to in college. And I was in college probably from like 95 to 2000. And it was the World of Darkness kind of games, White Wolf. Um, So Vampire the Masquerade, um, Werewolf the Apocalypse, um, Mage the Ascension, Wraith the Oblivion, and it keeps going, right? And the math system is what I really loved about those games, because in college we could have a werewolf play with a vampire, play with, Mm -hmm. you know, a Risen or whatever. But what I didn't know is that there's a whole community and, and... forums and people who play this game live and that's kind of live action role playing right right (laughs) so and to my understanding like i went to gen con a couple years ago and a friend of mine kevin um wanted me to go and attend a vampire the masquerade larp and I was like, hell no, I'm not doing it. That's way, <laughs> that's way too geeky. You know, I, I'm okay with role-playing, like in tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons or mm-hmm. Pathfinder or whatever. But at some point, like, I do like the math and the dice rolling, and, the, and I'm a hack and slasher. So essentially the question is, is uh, can you speak to that? I mean, I, I can. I, I want to clarify a couple of things. There's a thing that I say sometimes when uh, people who aren't among us discover that I play Dungeons and Dragons or some of these other things. And it's always like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm not a LARPer. I'm way cooler. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. um, and so it's it's been some time. Uh, I'm turning 36 this year. So it's been well over like 17 years since... Um, I did any of this. That puts us, if we were to rewind the clock, back into the World of Darkness 1. Dungeons and Dragons players know that, hey, there's, you know, there's D&D the original, there's 2nd edition, 3rd edition, 4th edition, 4.5, then 5th edition, which we're in now. I'm not exactly sure, but at some point, it was a big deal when White Wolf announced World of Darkness 2. In the same, so Vampire the Masquerade was sunset and became vampire requiem or vampire the requiem which had an entirely new rule system all that to say i merely bring this up to say that yo i was a world of darkness one player vampire the masquerade that's what i know best yeah so there's i don't know if you know it or not but there is a world of darkness um documentary that is on amazon prime oh fascinating no i didn't and i've watched it here recently and and uh, and it was not just encompassing 
the tabletop game, but also I guess the LARPing. Oh, it's a but culture. But then also mm-hmm. the video games that are oh. like kind of spun off of it. And what's I love about it is here's this genre, right? Like Star Wars or like Marvel or, or, or what have you, that literally is a spawning tabletop board games. It's got video yeah. games. It's got live action role playing games. TV show. Uh, it was on Fox um, back in the late 90s. That's right. There was a vampire mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called Kindred the Embraced. Um, and I think it only ran for one season. Uh, the prince, uh, the, the actor who played the prince of San Francisco, uh, unfortunately, I think died in a motorcycle accident. But this is well within my teenage goth years, so I, I remember it pretty well. But yeah, to your point, I mean, this thing, it's its a culture, right? Like I, like as a budding like goth kid in which like my first cds as gifts um included um i think one of the cure albums uh, and i ended Mm. up getting all of them right so it set me on this kind of like snowball uh into eyeliner and and dyed black hair and stuff like that so we can blame it all on the cure (laughs) (laughs) well it began with a cure but um it started probably because i was um that i was playing this kind of like spin-off like um yahoo chat room online text-based rpg and vampires were super cool anyway so like of course vampire the masquerade was really big back then i guess it still is but at least in this um area it was super big and it just so happened that all of the uh all of the kids i was playing with were totally uh, preferring to be vampires instead of knights slaying dragons right Mm -hmm. so all the rules that we stole off uh, the internet uh, all came from this game. Yeah. I feel like sometimes people get sick of high fantasy, right? Like elves and castles and wizards and magic and, you know, and that's, so these other genres that are like superhero role-playing games or, or world of darkness, um, or I'm playing one now, which I think I told you about, which is like a wrestling one where you actually are wrestlers and you make personas and you're either a face or a heel. What? No, you didn't say anything about your wrestling RPG. Yeah, actually, uh, I just started it a couple of weeks ago. But um, yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Into oh my God. But Amazing. I guess the questions I have for you are, did you start it as a tabletop game and then it just turns into like a LARP and is the math and the system because I'm familiar with the you know mm-hmm. the 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 system and the you know the I guess the mechanics is that really easy to translate to like LARPing or yeah so so here's you know here's the here's the deal mechanics of Vampire the Masquerade uh, specifically lean themselves more toward I think it's more RP heavy than a straight out of the box D and D module, because um, I don't know if they do it now, but like the the original uh, the original byline was um, uh, Vampire the Masquerade is a storytelling game of personal horror, and it's set in our world when the sun sets, etc. And it's specifically a political game whether um uh like in like for the most part you operate within or as part of this um political like one of a couple political uh 
entities, the Camarilla or the Sabat. And within them, you have princedoms that have a variety of vassals attached to them. And so much of the game and its mechanics and its and the, the disciplines, what vampires call their spells, right, um, are about controlling the social circumstance and behavior. The thing that most people, anyone who hasn't played it before, um, the the appealing or the, like the most neat thing I, I I guess I found out about it is not just the systems work with one another, right? But though all of the systems, all the characters, as you say, is your own personal horror, the, the, that's actually baked into the game because werewolves have rage. If they can lose their humanity if they yeah. like, and become totally feral. And I think vampires have a bloodlust or it's, something. No, it's literally called humanity. Um, uh, and, if, and you start And it off, can go down, like if you do bad things. And right, it goes you, down permanently. Yeah, so vampires lose humanity um, werewolves increase their rage yeah and i think um changeling loses glamour or glamour or whatever how do you say it glimmer or something like that and i don't know what mages lose they actually it's a i don't know what it's like the paradox is what i think it is and it's basically like when you use magic as in magely ascension you're kind of breaking reality to some degree, like little fissure cracks in reality or yeah. like or yep. breaking like physics, right? And you can only do that so much um, before you go insane, I guess. That or, makes, or, that seemed, or, yeah. And I know that changelings, like they become banality as their thing, right? Because they're connected to the fey world, but they're kind of forced to live here on Earth. And so their connection to the fey world, like with fairies and satyrs and, and red hats and goblins and whatever, um, it diminishes over time. And so the more banal they get and the more they don't get, they lose that whimsical fantasy fey nature connection. Um, banality is what happens and they just become human and they lose it, right? So there's it's interesting because the White Wolf game's either gaining or decreasing. Like your characters are kind of, can be self-defeating, right? Yeah. So chat room I get. Did you ever play like tabletop version of it? And did you ever play any um, LARPing of it or video games of it? Yes to all three. Um, the the tabletop is is more obvious. Like so, yeah, hundred percent played a tabletop vampire, um, and I ran a couple of sessions uh, or a couple of. Um, they're not called campaigns. Uh, you know what I mean? Maybe they are called campaigns. Um, the video games, 100%, have a lot to say there. Um, the LARPing is a little different. There was like a network, um, almost like uh, the Society of um, uh, Something Anachronism. Um, the, the Society of Creative Anachronisms. Thank yeah. you. Um, and so there was like a, there was a network uh, similarly governed uh, where there was an official prince of this, that, and there were different chapters. And they all participate in like a larger um, nationwide um system where at the very top you had you know your your elders uh your um camarilla leaders and your sabat leaders uh, Mm -hmm. who are who have different names which i forget and there's something similar like that yeah so the other person that i've met uh, my friend john who's played this who did it in public they would use those type of things and i'm not sure if those are chat rooms or forums or whatever to where people would organize they were forums yeah yeah and so you would have groups coming in from outside the state or outside the area and they would do these and he's described it to me before and i've never I, i don't have the details on it but that when they would identify or 
like they would just like a hundred of them be like in a town. Yeah. You know, and then essentially they they could do like um, rock paper scissor or something to make yep. decisions or you stuff play like rock that. paper scissors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then um, and and so what my understanding is from this documentary is like people love the like so. You mentioned the SCA, the Society of Creative Anachronisms, mm-hmm. and so um, I've have experience with them. I've attended a couple of their events because I was he- really interested in combat, like physical combat with armor, and, you know. And um, and then I found out it was like um, it was pretty much like a third combat, or like maybe a fourth combat, and then like three fourths role playing, right? Yeah. And so to me, as we've talked before, I, it's a little off-putting. I will get down and role-play, but it's like I don't want to do it all the time. Right? <laughs> um, and I'm not a reenactor at all, and I know some people <laughs> like that, you know. Um, but So I've attended that, and, it, and it's been cool, and I've attended some of their combat kind of events, and I've seen, like, large-scale army battles, right, with SCA. Um, and I think very similar to that is this World of Darkness, right, where you're, like, but it's not werewolf and it's not cha- it's like specifically vampire specifically vampire mm-hmm. that speaks to people that has created these like sca there's kingdoms and there's a lord over the kingdom and then you have you're a sub clan of a kingdom and you mm-hmm. have a location and a and a fealty and kind of all that and so that's uh what was in kind of the documentary that showed hey that was this kind of that was the thing that people wanted out of LARPing. That's what they wanted, like connection in person. And then I guess some of the people who played, I mean, they would do like put on the prosthetic ears. Oh, definitely. Fake fangs and all that stuff. The contacts, right? Because around like early 2000s especially is when you started uh, where colored contacts were really easy to um, order, um, even if they had no prescription on them. Um, I remember folks in school uh, walking around with them. So you And it was easy. It was easy to look like a vampire, and it was easy to look like a vampire in public. The 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 big remember the big conceit generally is that uh, in the world of darkness is that vampires exist and they are in your world now. You're not in some city called Haven or Waterdeep. You are in um, you are in Richmond or you are in Chicago, and there are vampires here, and you may be one of them. And the idea of um, uh, a lot of the stuff that we kind of enjoyed was the fact that, like, yo, we are vampires and we're going to walk around with, like, you know, um, maybe it's like some small fangs in or whatever without anyone noticing. And we're going to go about our day. Um, But you're always a vampire. Right. And so and so it's it's that hiding in plain sight uh, kind of appeal that's really neat. And then, of course, like in the LARPing environments, um, uh, these are things I've never participated in. But nearby, uh, I was like I was three and a half hours north of Chicago. So in Chicago, they would rent out um, like hotel lobbies or whatever. And the prince, the quote prince of Chicago would be be there in a fancy ass chair and you would pay your fealty. There, oh, there's, wow. there's a performative aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um that transcended the game. In fact, there might not even be a story. It's just like, hey, I'm in Chicago. I have to see the prince. I have to alert. I have to announce myself. You know? Have you ever heard of um, True Dungeon at all? I haven't. I'm going to check it out. So I came in contact with it years ago. True Dungeon is 
it's kind of uh, it's a little expensive. You pay like forty bucks a game to do it, maybe more. Um, oh. And essentially, True Dungeon is kind of this thing where they set it up at big gaming cons. It's at Dragon Con. It's at certain PAXs. It's at Gen Con. It's at Origins. So the big ones. Um, but basically, it's a virtual. Uh, I mean, it's like. Um, it's, they take a giant space. They put up walls. They do lighting. They do sound effects. There's animatronic monsters in it. Amazing. Um, you all meet up. And so I'll just say this. I'm a level two barbarian in, in True Dungeons. I've played it. I, I love it. You essentially get with a group of people. You have a character and cards. Every time you play, you get treasure and items, and you keep them all. And the next time you play, you can kind of build your character with what you want to bring, potions and items and armor, right? And you go up and level. But essentially, like... You're going through, you're solving puzzles as a group would, which can be chaotic because there's like six of you and you're, tr and you're in a time limit and the room's about to close off or you'll die. And uh, you're trying to figure out, you know, the, the puzzle. But then there's also combat. And the combat is dealt with in a kind of a... Um, I don't know, like a, a bocce ball or a ski thing where, or air hockey table where you kind of throw your weapons or spells across and you're trying to get them to land in a certain zone to do the most damage to a oh, monster. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very cool. And they have a lot of people doing it. Like Will Wheaton has done it and like famous people because it's, it's just kind of a cool experience that you want to do with your group of friends. And that's kind of like as LARPing as I go. Um, for me, like I, I still like puzzle solving and grouping and like getting the treasure and I like combat. Um, but I, I know that True Dungeon has like a huge community that does that kind of thing. And I think that's, um, you know, that's probably the coolest like LARPing thing that I've, I've really kind of enjoyed. You know what's funny? This makes me think of um, things like other, the, the increasing popularity of escape rooms and that those are kind those are horror larping right um uh, in a way yeah. right and that's um and it's really fascinating that like now um these kind of experiments and just the ability with like 3d printing probably to create immersive props and immersive settings make this way way more interesting than it was in you know the late 90s Oh, yeah, there's a guy that I played with who actually brought a shield. Like, it was, like, not cardboard, and it wasn't wood, but he actually made a shield. And he was, like, yeah. he came in and was, like, don't worry, guys. Um, and he says this to the group while we were playing Tree Dungeon. He's, like, I'm a level 8 cleric. I, none of you will die. And he has this giant, like, life-side shield that he's on. But all the items or spells that he can cast are, like velcroed to his shield Amazing. and in combat like i went down like fighting a monster in a bog and then he basically pulled off a thing off the shield and it's like as an immediate action i bring him back to life at full hit points and like it, like it was like nuts but like people build their props and they build yeah. their costumes and wigs and items and they to work with it and uh i would encourage people that if you've never had any type of experience with larping geocaching games true dungeon vampire maybe you're a sca person um there's also even i think out of australia there's a thing called armor combat league i don't know like mm. even if you just want to do the whole like 
medieval times and you just want to see people fight in armor <laughs> or um, you want to do it yourself that's something that you can do there's also hema schools as well uh, that... hema hema is something i've been personally looking into i've gotten pretty uh pretty deep into hema talk the, the hema section of tiktok right um and have looked for uh hema groups locally there's another one uh, I forget the name, but it's li- uh, it's literally um, a combat like a maybe it is armored combat league. There's one in the U.S. Uh, where you it's real armor and it's real, albeit dulled weapons, and you and you beat the shit out of your opponent, <laughs> right? When I went to SCA last time, like the Society of Creative Acronisms, yes. they did have a physical, like a combat section. And this person that was telling us amazing didn't compete, but she was like a phenomenal with a spear. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a point system, just like karate. It's like, oh, did you avoid and block and did you land a hit? And was mm-hmm. it clear and apparent and efficient, you know? Same thing, um, except it's weapons and shields and, you know, and apparently she is like the most amazing person with spear. <laughs> like no one can beat her no matter what because the reach of it and just yeah. her proficiency. Um, and yeah. And I, when I attended, they had uh, different things. They had like a, a shield and like a sword and shield tournament, but then they also had a free weapons tournament, like whatever you wanted to bring. But then they had like a rapier tournament and, and it was just, it was really cool to watch. It's fascinating to watch that kind of things. Hema as a <laughs> as a as a sport or as a as a proper martial art that you practice regularly is fascinating. Um, but I wonder if this all just comes down to the the characters and narratives that we identify with. Because when we're talking about like you know what what was LARP you know pre pre three D printing right and then. And then what it's become, I mean, like 3D printing just opened up like a uh, like a spectrum of opportunity to inhabit these roles, whether that's actually part of a system or it's almost like cosplaying, right? Maybe all you care about is the gear. And a lot of people play games just for the amazing gear, too. Yeah, I have a friend, Chris, who lives in Chicago, who who makes prosthetic teeth for cosplayers. Wow. And he does orc teeth and vampire teeth, and, and he does it from his 3D printer, and he's, like, in demand. Like, he has to, he's like, hey, everything's kind of on back order. But I, I think you're right. Like, when you were describing, like, the vampire game that you could play with eight friends, and you could kind of as a storyteller, construct a story and build your characters and kind of like set it up so you could play online. I mean, City of Heroes had the exact same thing. It had a builder to where you could create your own villains who had powers and your own villain teams. And you could create a story where it's a rescue or your, or, or, or whatever, but it's kind of giving the parameters of, um, of a system that everyone can kind of maybe agree upon, right? But then you can bring as much flourish to it as you want. So if you want to cosplay or, or um, LARP or build out arbors and shields, you can you can do that. It's it's just like having super control over your avatar in a game. Like people want that apparent from, you know, um, yeah cyberpunk to where you're like oh i like the mantis arm build like no i really like the gorilla arm build and and you can make change everything about yourself you could make yourself um a complete persona and chat 
uh, VR chat lets you do this. Like you can kind of build whatever character you want and go and start interacting and role playing with people. And so VR chat in itself is very much like what we're talking about here to where you can go talk to people, you can look, you can roll out, um, role play and do kind of whatever you want. Um, and I think it's that level of just like providing your players or users, you know, kind of at least a, like in sculpture where they call it like an armature or like a base, like kind of mechanics and then let people go with it, right? They can do whatever they want with it. They can expand it. They can grow it, make it a community, like whatever. Yeah. And I think the other thing that this uh, raises is just awareness of how the job to be done for these games differs. Uh, the reason you play Dungeons and Dragons is dramatically different than, or often different than the reason that you play old school vampire the masquerade i think that it's what do people want out of games from the player or user perspective i definitely have played with a lot of hack and slashers um, sure. at the table and i'm sure we all have the people who are just like i have the best build i can cleave i can super cleave i can step up when you try to get away from me and just <laughs> like they've they love being able to pour into like building this kind of combat build but just on the flip side of the coin is is literally the role player who wants to have that role playing experience, who wants to um, develop the history and narrative of their character, which informs how they're acting in the game. And I think there's this kind of balance between role play and, and hack and slash. And the people who, um, I guess the, in my mind, the one side of the coin is the role player, and the other side is like the miniatures person like your BattleTech 40k or warhammer 40k or, or BattleTech or yeah. whatever because those are people like i just pure combat strategy and then there's this kind of nice easy balance in the middle to where which is what i like and i think a lot of players what they like about dungeons and dragons or pathfinder or, or um yeah. or even white wolf games to where it's like well i want to role play but i also want abilities and i want to roll it you know and you even and have miniatures yeah optionally Cool, uh, cool 3D printed maps and to, you know, to fight the big bad evil guy in. Yeah, so there's the spectrum, right, of, of what each player is looking for. Um, and it doesn't really matter if it's tabletop, LARPing, or MMORPG. It's really the, the bubble is, is like the combat build versus the role playing and interaction. And I think you're always going to have people who follow on that that Kinsey scale and lack of a better metaphor. <laughs> Cause I know that I love the, it. Yeah. But of like, what is your role players? Kinsey, uh, Kinsey score. <laughs> I am. I would say that I am in the, I'm a solid right in the middle um, to where I like a balance between role playing and, and hack or mechanics and hack and slash. And I, and I enjoy both. What about you? If, uh, well, I mean, I, you know, I am a, narrative hooker right so i prefer uh narrative and storytelling you know my background begins in vampire the masquerade before dungeons and dragons so that's what i prefer i want the mechanics to be able to express the things that i want to do through the narrative thank you for listening to the design thinking games podcast to connect with your hosts, Michael or Tim, please go to designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on.